Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we have another Q&A episode, which we love. Bit of a mixed bag again, training, uni, women's health, sleep, all the things that we love talking about. So thank you to everyone who slid into Sherelle's DMs this time. Yeah, this one was directly plucked from my story. So thanks everyone who sends in questions. Um, it, it's it's hard. We can't back, get back to all of them. And I do like to be able to um, give a bit more explanation and context to some of the mm. questions that do come in. So hence why we're here, hence why I plucked out some to really dive into today. Yeah, because some of the questions that we get are really heavy and, you know, we don't want to palm someone off in a 15-second answer. Mm. A, if it's a bad thing, we know it's going to be sent around Instagram. Anyway, did you hear what they said to this? Well, it's just so much easier to be able to really talk about some of the topics in depth and then refer to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So should we get into it? Let's do it. So we'll start off with the first one. So um, what does your current training split look like? And this one's from um, Chloe McPherson. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to really um, have a bit of a chat about our current training split and what we've been up to for the last few months. Yeah. So how many days a week are you on at the moment? I'm on four days of training at the moment and I've mm-hmm. just um, sort of redesigned my training program over the little lockdown period. I was like, mm. oh, I might just sit down and, and write out my new training block for the next little period. So I'm yeah. moving myself into more of a, like a unilateral mobility, sort of addressing some limitations, sort of training split. I guess you can call it like the prep before the prep, if that nice. makes sense. Okay. Pulling back on a lot of intensity, which is super hard for me, super hard. I mm. My RPE scale is really disordered. Yeah. <laughs> but it's something that we all need to do from time to time is, you know, push our lunges more and address mobility issues and step away from some of the heavy stuff and go into some more volume-styled work. Mm. What have you noticed within your body that you are going to work on now? Definitely ankle mobility has always sort of been a limitation for me, but it's been so much better um, the last, I guess, probably three or four weeks I've been addressing yep. it also and really paying attention to sort of some active motion and and um, like some band work around my ankles and training it more so, yep. like front foot elevated lunges and things like that. Um, and what I noticed is forever, I've never been able to use the Stairmaster because I'd get lower back pain on it. In the past, mm-hmm. I'd always get, and what's that tell you, like hip extension on repetition after step? Massive. Yeah, it's huge. People are like, oh, and I was always like, oh, what is, you know, and then going through down this rabbit hole of realizing ankle mobility was holding me back from a lot of um, making a lot of progress with mm-hmm. other sorts of training, like, you know, training glutes. It's not just about the ankle joint, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I did the stepper for half an hour this morning and nothing. So I've been able to sort of include the stepper more so. And, and that's when you're like, oh, you know, shit, yeah, mobility's working. Fantastic. And what a good feeling to know that, you know, you, you pulled back on what you said and to work on your foundations and now it's paying off. So yeah. like the stepper, you know, runners have that. So any excessive hip extension, thousands of reps, if you get mm. a sore lower back after running, check what's happening at your ankles and hips. Yeah, yeah. it's a really good example. Yeah, absolutely. Building your foundations, Sherelle, you're legend. Oh, That's good. Oh, it's, it's, 
it's interesting when you sort of, you know, shift gears and change focus. I think it's so important to be able to do that. And this is why your program, like, it's not just about the program. It's the program before the program, the program after the program, the goal of your future programs, you know, and this is when all these sorts of things really do become important. And yes, you can get around it, right? You can get around a lot of things if you know what you're doing. Mm. It's difficult when you don't know what you're doing. Like if you don't know you've got ankle mobility restrictions, then you're probably not going to elevate your heels and do other sorts of things to be able to work with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at some stage, I always look at this sort of stuff as like a little bit of a project. Of course, we're our own project and it's fun. Mm. It can be really fun. And again, as you mentioned, if you're unsure, ask for help. There's yep. lots of, you know, we can help. There's lots of people out there. But um, it's important because when when you push for a show, as you know, your recovery is a little bit less. Things ache a bit more as it is. Mm. So if we've already got discrepancies in our body now when we're in the building phase, well, mm. what's going to happen when we put pedal to the metal? It's just going to make things worse. So it's really good that you have shed awareness on the importance of building your foundations before a prep as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you would know yourself, Danny, like with your clientele, like how much injury can screw with people's heads. And yeah. like, it's, e- it's, it's really easy to be victimized and be like, oh, I've got this limitation. I can't do this. I can't do that. Rather than being like, you know, oh, this is a gift. I can use this sort of limitation as a way to experiment, enhance my own knowledge, try new things in the gym um, and progress because mm-hmm. everyone has hurdles along the way and everyone has limitations to some extent it's just yeah. about working around them yep working around them and resolving and that's perfect so yeah I've incorporated all that sort of um unilateral work for a long time now obviously from Hattie programming it but then with my own knowledge now I've been able to incorporate my own um protocols and Andrew's work in my program so yeah I definitely have got you know my pre-activations like what you do and all of that mm-hmm. Um, the main lifts and then unilateral. So my current training is a mixture of powerlifting and bodybuilding um, because mm-hmm. I just love being under the bar. I'm hitting PBs in squats, deadlifts, bench, and, and that's a bit of fun. But I know once I drop my calories and lose a little bit of weight, then that will change. Um, I know there are a lot of strong people out there who can do both and you're here on a week out and I'm hitting PBs. Awesome. For me, I get heaps smaller than what I am. Personally, I um, do lose strength, but, you know, we'll see. Never say never. But at the moment, I'm having fun hitting some numbers with that. But my unilateral work is number one. I'm still evening out um, the strength in my glutes. It's tiny difference, but enough for me to notice and and want to work on it. Uh, So lots of unilateral work, lots of activation and all that. uh, Five days a week. So three lower body, two upper body at the moment. And I think it'll stick to five for a long time I've only ever really done six maybe once in a prep it's a lot so I just push hard in that five and then have the two days to rest and recover maybe go for a light walk but I don't do anything strenuous like what um Dr Stacey Sims said we don't want to just add in junk miles into our training for the sake of it Yeah. yeah and that's what most people um do to be honest I think six days of training is really unnecessary for probably 99% of the population in terms of resistance training. You know, you you don't yeah. grow muscle in the gym. You can do other things, right? If you want to have some aerobic work, um, you know, if you want to go for a, a light jog, like move your body, of course. Mm every day um but when you're having a structured resistance weightlifting program like 
three to five days, you can get insane results with three days of training. Like Mm. you don't need to be doing the same splits as um, us or anyone. It's about you and where you're at. And there's a massive difference between training age and training experience as well. And I think um, even though, um, you know, the the sort of three lower, two upper is quite common, it might not be your best either. So Mm. training volume must be specific and individualized. It's not just about three sets of 10 for everything and everyone. That's right. If you are an athlete and have three really long, heavy days, awesome, stick with that. Or Mm. if you know, hmm, I'm not that confident to push in the gym, I need it for my mental health, I want to go in six days just to, you know, um, go really hard on the ones that I'm confident in and the others I kind of just practice technique, I recover well, cool, have more days case by case, as we always say. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But I guess that's a bit of a rundown of our um, training oh, yeah. and what we've been up to, but it's always changing. I love that. Yeah. That's what I love about training. It's just always, it's always progressing. There's always something that you can work on and mm. so much crossover between what you do in the gym and the ego and the things that we take in there and everything that we do in the real world as well in other areas of our life. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Oh, I love training. <laughs> I'm going to the gym after this. Love it, love it. yes. <laughs> All right, moving on from Lindsay Sellers. Should I be aiming to get as lean as possible before starting to bulk? I want to grow. Mm. Good question. Everyone wants to grow, and this was um, this whole like lean bulk um mentality comes from the bodybuilding sort of world you know the cut bulk cut bulk must get lean then build and it's sort of I don't it's not a I don't believe it's appropriate for women I really don't think we should be going through aggressive bulks and then aggressive cuts it's not no way it's not good it's not ideal but one of the things where this does stem from is where people believe that if you get lean, you become more insulin sensitive. Um, you know how people sort of like when they're lean, they'll say that they utilize glucose and carbs better uh, and they'll get that pump. And that's sort of the mentality in bodybuilding world as to why people think that they should get lean to be able to use insulin and glucose better um, to then be able to build more muscle. But that's not mm. the case. It's mm. actually not the case especially for women. So insulin is like a hormone that's released by our pancreas that unlocks cells to let glucose into the cell to be utilized as energy. Mm. You can't really get around that. Like, you know, Mm. being, being sort of like, overweight yes that's when we go into like insulin resistance when you have problems with that but that's not us that's not what we need to be thinking about in terms of being lean and bulking and all this sort of stuff so no you don't need to get lean as possible definitely that's massive lean as possible i take that to be stage weight yeah the last thing you'd want to do is get as lean as you can because it's so uncomfortable and then put weight on yeah, it's not exactly an anabolic environment. Nothing's going to grow when you're... No, because you'll lose everything. Yeah. yeah. And I do believe there's a sweet spot. Like I, I sort of think, no, like you don't want to be punching sort of 30% plus body fat if you're trying to like, you know, build muscle. You can maintain like a healthy body fat percentage. Uh, and that's going to be different depending from person to person as well to what your natural set point is and where you com- your body comfortably sits. Um, but you don't mm. need to diet to build. It sounds backwards, right? Like, but it is a common belief. I just like, I sort of believe you attack 
the building phase with your training. Like rather than your nutrition of going into a super aggressive surplus, eat at maintenance and or a tiny surplus, like 10%, and push your training. Like yeah, you'll go through recomposition definitely if you actually start applying progressive overload and having intensity in your sessions more so than what just you know fixating on leaning and bulk and cutting and just the nutrition I think that's a big mistake yeah yeah fair call and let's just say this person has five or ten kilos to lose and he's a little bit Mm. um yeah they want to lose a little bit of body fat cool I would go into a deficit slightly just to lose the couple of the kilos um but then I wouldn't aim to be getting lean like if you have a little bit of excessive kilos that you want to um, lose, cool, go in a slight deficit and then um, a slow increase or maintenance, as you said, and slightly increase. So it really depends on your starting position. But if you're pretty happy with where you're at um, and then want to build, then, yeah, exactly what Sherelle just said. There's no Mm -hmm. point. You will recomp based on your training and then paying attention to your nutrition. It will happen. Yeah. yeah, And especially if you're like in those first few years of your training, your body will utilize the body fat that you have as energy and build muscle. The fat doesn't yeah. turn into muscle. The body uses Good the one. energy in the fat to turn it into muscle, not like changing tissue. You can't yeah, do that. Yeah, you can't but change tissue. Mm. There's a famous study about, um, I don't know if you've heard this one, Danny, about the, the two groups of the volleyball girls. Have you heard of this study where they got, they got sort of like girls, like, you know, late beginner, intermediate stage training and they recomped them so what they did is they took them from their volleyball training which wasn't that intense or and then Mm. gave them training workouts in the gym and what they found was like some of the most extreme examples were girls losing six kilos in the 12-week study of body fat but gaining six kilos of muscle like they recomped huge so I think recomp is something that's sort of like people talk about it like it's fantasy, like being able to lose body fat and build muscle. But I've seen it so many times in so many girls that their scale weight won't change. Yeah. Body composition will. Yeah. And the newer you are, the better your results. It's so much harder to recomp when you've been training for years. So again, it depends on how new you are to this because anything you do, you'll drop weight. Anything you do, you'll build muscle, providing your nutrition and programming is there, but your body will change quicker at the start. So that's a big factor as well. Yeah, absolutely. Happy with that one then, Dan? Yeah. Cool. Let's move on then. So is there a big difference between seven hours of sleep and eight hours of sleep? And this is from Aslan. Um, So I thought we could have a bit of a chat about our aura rings and maybe some of the things that we've noticed and lessons we've learned from it. So how long have you been using yours for now, Danny? Well, maybe six months, six to eight months. And I just think they're the best thing in the world. I mean, it makes it a game for you to try and get good sleep. Like, it's like, oh, my aura ring's going to yell at me if I don't get sleep. It's going to have all the orange lines. Yeah. Um, So I think it's just brilliant to track everything and just to really shed awareness on why you might feel hungry the following day from poor Mm. sleep or stressed or irritable or not functioning as well. You Mm. go back to your aura ring, have a look. Mm, Yeah, my sleep wasn't optimal. So I think it's a brilliant tool. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in regards to like even the discrepancy between seven hours of sleep and eight hours of sleep as well, um, there's a great book by Matthew Walker and it's called Why We Sleep. It's actually a little bit scary when you read it about some of the statistics, but he shows like how much 
one hour can really make in that he has multiple different studies and examples of people where they are only sleep deprived by one hour, i.e. daylight savings, and how much this increases mortality, road accidents, death, um, mistakes at work, medication errors, all these sorts of things. And it's scary because sometimes you're like, oh, you know, I got six hours. That wasn't real good, was it? But that's okay. And then you go and live your life. And that was, and that's sort of like, wow, like you're actually really sleep deprived. And, you know, I got really fascinated on all this sort of stuff when I was trying to juggle shift work with training and being like, how can I not optimize, but make this practical and sort of get by. And even the sort of um, like, it's not a fitness book or anything about training, but he talks about the inability to actually recruit motor units um, in your muscles when you're um, sleep deprived by even a couple of hours. So that's why I was like, wow, like, and after, you know, I've been awake for 24 hours, I'm not duty and then trying to go train legs like you know it's it's really interesting so and you feel the difference right when you have a good night's sleep you're like wow I feel so good you don't realize that that's probably how you're supposed to always feel that's how you're supposed to always feel for sure in terms of seven and eight hours from a recovery standpoint okay there's a whole another hour of recovery that you can obtain however mm-hmm. there's so much in this you could get seven hours from let's just say 10 until you know uh, six or five whatever it is or you can get eight hours but go to bed at one and wake up at nine so you're probably better off getting the seven hours if it's earlier mm-hmm. rather than the eight hours if it's later mm-hmm. but also quality of life comes into play because you have a lot of people who get up go to work and they don't want to just go home and go to bed and do it all again okay maybe we need that extra hour just to do something fun to enhance our quality of life as well so Mm. there are so many factors into why people cut back on their sleep and maybe I'm justifying this because my sleep hasn't been perfect and I'm a little bit annoyed but my quality of life I'm doing fun things um so I think it is important to recognize yes from a recovery point of view eight hours is better even nine Mm. um but then the quality of life comes into play and your personal ability to function off a certain amount anything under seven i'm fried and i know it i get upset at myself but it is (laughs) i'm the worst we're like little babies aren't we when it comes to sleep foot down i'm happy sometimes i'll wake up and lay in bed and check my data and and i'll be like oh that shit hasn't come back to sleep you got to yep and then i find when i go back to sleep all that like in the morning i'll just get a massive chunk of rem and that's yeah so i'm like okay i'm happy to go on with my day now but that's something i've really changed my mind on is like naps and like sleeping more rather than this whole like get up work harder even like morning cardio it makes me think with all the research that's coming out about how much more optimal getting more sleep is for fat loss than you know getting your your cardio in for example yeah. maybe maybe you need the extra hour in bed rather than on the treadmill mm. yeah oh 100 percent. if you've had five hours sleep and you get up to go train or do cardio you're better off sleeping more and i'm sorry to everyone who does this but i'm you know i've been there but Mm. you just make yourself more cooked yes if it's a comp prep and you just want to expel all your energy and just be a zombie okay but yeah there's no point sleep's number one yeah recovery is number one and that's what it is and really if you're asking, asking yourself how much more beneficial is one extra hour well how much more beneficial is seven hours over the week 
Like that's a whole night's sleep. So then yeah. what is that over 52 weeks of the year? Like that's an extra, you know, that that's, in that's huge. Significant. And like what you said, Danny, you know, life is to be lived, right? Mm. You know, we need to have a good time. We're not just, and you're not going to nail your sleep every night. It's just mm. about making sure that one, you understand that it is important and yep. two, knowing what you need to do to get it back on track. Like yeah, had if I had an aura ring in uni, Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I want to wear it. Like when I drink and I've got, which I don't drink much, but like over Christmas and New Year's, you know, I had a few. Oh, yeah. had a few. um, My (laughs) aura ring, it took me like a week for my HRV to recover. Oh, yeah. You wake up and it's just orange lines everywhere. And like in the night it goes white. So when you wake up, um, yeah, the data turns white. It's just like up, down, up, down. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So it's great data. What a time. Good fun though. Oh, great fun. Um, But anyways, (laughs) I think we've answered that. So we'll move on to the next one. (laughs) Tips to clear the head before bedtime. I can't stop overthinking and worrying. And it's always either before bed or in the middle of the night where the anxious thoughts come up, isn't it? Probably because we're not distracted as much. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard that like your brain organizes your thoughts like a big Tetris when you're sleeping. You know how, have you ever woken up and you just have an epiphany or an idea and you're like, yeah, I've got to do this because your brain's sorting your thoughts out. That's what REM sleep is. It's your cognitive repair. Cognitive repair. There you go. So personally, I, oh God, if I ever have a time um, where I have that in the night, where I used to when I was a bit younger, not so much now, um, I would sleep with literally a journal next to my bed, wake up, write it down. It would be out of my head because I would just be on loop thinking the same thing over and over and over again or creating different scenarios. I'd write it down and then in the morning I'd wake up and go, oh, is that all? Like yeah. it's always so much worse at night. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think maybe because you're just still and you're actually sitting in those thoughts. Um, yeah. But I was the same, like I'm the same, like if I feel like I'm getting into like traps because it's never like, I feel like it's never once off. You sort mm. of get into like weeks of doing it, of like yeah. bed and stressing about a particular thing, whether it's an event coming up or just a project that's on your mind or whatever it might be. Um, but something like, which sounds a bit, like corny is what I'll just say to myself when I'm in bed is like, you're one woman and you're doing a good job. You know, like when you're in bed, you're sort of like, Oh, I should have done this, could have done that. You know, I need to get this done. That wasn't good enough. It's always Mm. those negative things, not positive. Right. So Mm. I will um, like journaling. I'll write, I'll always reflect on my wins. I think that's really important to be able to do is reflect on what's gone well. Cause we're, you know, we're creatures of um, like negativity at the end of the day. We're so used to looking for the cup being half empty. And uh, I was talking about this with um, a client the other day, who's also a nurse, you know, particularly people in service-based healthcare, we're so easy and quick to look for deterioration, right? Mm. In people and in ourselves. And we're always looking for the wrong thing, the thing that's about to go wrong. And that's yep. human behavior as well. But this is why it's so important to practice looking for the positives in things. And journaling is just a really easy and simple uh, entry point to start doing that. Yeah, I love that. And in terms of what you mentioned earlier, let's just say you've got an event up or for me, um, my seminar or something like that, or, or even a comp, I've learned that I get more stressed and triggered when I have lots of things to do, mm. right? So in the week or so leading up to that thing, I clear my schedule because energy carries over. So let's just say the event's on Saturday, 
you're jam-packed Monday to Friday. You haven't even had a chance to breathe. That triggers me and then mm. ruins the event because I'm not present. Yeah. Um, so I've had to recognize that, strip back and spend time preparing for the thing that I'm going to do that's really important. So whether it be take on less clients at work or whether it be, yeah, just fully focusing on that. So for me to clear my head, not just for an event, but in general, I just have less things that need to be in my head. And yeah. just put the important things first, similar to you. I'm one person. I'm doing a great job, you know, and just focus on that. Yeah. Preparation yeah, it, is key. You can't dance around the thing that's worrying you. You have to attack it head on. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We try to procrastinate and avoid it. So funny. Mm. That makes it worse because then we're less yeah. organized. And, um, but, you know, the episode that we did a while ago, Getting Shit Done, I think it was yes. called about organization and all those sorts of things. I'm the same. I had a bad habit of scheduling just as much time as I thought I needed rather mm. than being like, let's give myself a buffer. Like yep. it's such a better strategy. Like for training, if I think I'm going to be training for an hour and a half, like I'm going to give myself two hours plus so I can have lunch in there and I can have my me time because that's how I like to schedule it and make yep. sure that you do have room for error, like a flat tire. Like when shit goes wrong, yeah, right. you want to climb up your sleeve. Yeah, because that happens all the time. Like with today, it took me 20 minutes to sort out the new microphone. Like if we just scheduled it right on, forget it. And then your stress carries into the thing that you're doing. So, yeah, minimize what you're doing, attack it head on and write it down as well. Yeah. And something I've got that has actually helped me is there's an app called Microsoft To Do. And it's like I've always been a fan of writing down like lists, like pen to paper. I love that crossing off because I just never got that satisfaction from anything electronic. but I started using this Microsoft to do, which Luke got me onto. And the the good thing is, is like when you tick it off, it's like, ding, it's like this nice, <sighs> satisfying, like you've done that. They know um, how to get us. Oh, they do. <laughs> Anyways, the, the awesome thing is, is that it's on my phone uh, and it syncs to my MacBook. So if I'm like out and about, right, or I'm at the gym and I think of a thing I have to get done, I can add it to my day calendar list. Nice. Add it there and leave it. And then when I get back in front of the computer, it's there. Like it gives me that reassurance I'm not going to forget anything and that allows me to clear my mind and and sort of have that space in there so microsoft to do was it yeah microsoft to do really really yeah. good app. and you can sort of um so you can have like have lists and you can have like important and then you can have your day so you can move things to do on your day so again you're not recruiting this massive to-do list that you're going to get overwhelmed mm. with it's like mm. oh this is all the things i need to get done in by by x date but here's what's on today so yep. then i can get today done and feel accomplished in doing that yep yep love it all right very good Moving on, um, female discharge, what's normal? Yeah, we just threw that out there. Good. So now we're talking about the women's health, which has been the theme of our last two episodes, which everyone's been getting around, which I'm so proud of. Yeah. Female dis- discharge, what is normal? I remember when I was competing and had no cycle, there was zero discharge. Yeah. So no discharge is not normal. Mm, yeah, exactly. And that's that's a really important point. I was exactly the same, Danny. It wasn't until mm. um, I got the implant on removed and I was like, Oh, things are waking up. Yeah. That's the first sign, really, that things are starting to move because, you know, like your vagina and your uterus and, and it's a self-cleansing organ. Like, yeah. you know, you're supposed to have different types of discharge throughout the course of the month, depending on where you are in your cycle and everything. And it's funny because it is a taboo topic still. I like, and it shouldn't be like, you know, it shouldn't be. I was like to look the other day, can you grab the Fem Fresh? And he's like, shh. No. In the supermarket. And I'm like, what? Supermarket. 
Just get Good. the fat starlets on aisle seven. <laughs> Extra large tampons. <laughs> Poor Luke. So funny though. Like I was reading this study the other day and I posted it on my story. You know, it was talking about um it was talking about men feeling uncomfortable versus um like buying sanitary items and talking about periods in comparison to the women asking. And what it showed was oh. it's actually the women who feel more uncomfortable asking the men out of fear that they're going to feel uncomfortable. However, less men feel uncomfortable than what the women do. So it was sort of showing wow. actually sometimes us that do feel more uncomfortable, like 50% of us, where it was only 13% of men. If that makes is this sense. if people in a relationship or is this? <clears throat> in general. Just in general. So they were talking mm-hmm. about, because um, it was sort of saying like one in four women in the UK, it was a UK study, in yep. the UK um, didn't know like their menstrual cycle or, or sort of like any facts about it, like didn't know any, like it was a cycle, which is, you know, quite common. Common, um, and they were just showing all these other statistics, like, like you know, eighty percent of women felt uncomfortable talking about their period to their dad, and like those sorts of things, oh. which I just found really fascinating. Why did you yeah. just laugh? Because that was my first experience with my period. <laughs> I think I've said it on this on the show as well. Dad was home. Oh, bless. I love my dad so much, but I was I went up to him like, Dad, I think I got my period, and and bless him, he was the most <laughs> awkward. Oh, but he helped me. I he gave me a little pad, and he's like, "Oh, I think you, yeah, just put that on." And I'm like, "Oh fuck, when's oh, mom coming no. home? When's mom coming home?" But it is. It's because we didn't learn about it in school, really. Yeah. Just those, the way that sex ed is set up in school makes me sick because I was already an awkward kid as it was, and all of a sudden you don't know what's coming. You're yeah. in a room with all your classmates, the boys and the girls, because I was in a co-ed school. Mm. All of a sudden, here's a banana, here's a condom. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Or like, write. We had to write words on the whiteboard for different um, body parts. We had to write the slang words down. Like, I'm not learning anything. It's just making it more awkward, and I don't want to talk about it. Like. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. It's always the poor male PE teachers that get pushed into the corner and they bring out the uterus model and they're trying to put the pieces together. (laughs) Or, yeah, or you get the really passionate older woman who just goes into – we had some of those as well. I did. I reckon that would be insane. What, like the school nurses coming in and being like, here's a pad. Oh, they love it. They get right in. Oh, me and my husband. Yeah, I don't know. It was interesting times. But anyway – so no wonder people feel awkward about it because the delivery of it in, in well, from my experience as a young, awkward kid, I'm sure it was fine, but we yeah. see things how we are, not yeah, to blame exactly. the school system, but, you know, yeah. the way that I felt as a young kid did carry over for a while. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we grow up and become uh, who we are now and it's important to talk about it. Yeah, 100%. Hmm. And, um you know, I can share this with you and everyone else that's here, but I'm going into a <laughs> yes. school in the next month and I'm speaking <gasps> in a high school about um, sex ed. I'm so excited. Congratulations. <laughs> that's epic. Yeah, I know. I've been, I've been oh. saying, I'm like, I should do that one day. I should do it. And then I got an email and I was like, whoa, the universe, how weird. From your school or a different school? We don't have to name it, but is it a, a school that you went to or just no, it's a state, it's it up? A, it's a Catholic school here in Melbourne, a Catholic high school. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. So I am, I am nervous as hell, um, oh, yes. but you know, we got to lean into these sorts of things. I was like, I'll regret it if I don't say yes. Oh, hundred percent. This is your calling. This is why you're put on this earth. Um, <laughs> when is it? When is it? I'm meeting with um, the teacher like next 
in a couple of weeks in March. Yeah. Um, and then we'll just organise a time to do it. Um, is it for um, males and females at the school, or is it just? Females? It's a, it's a, it's um, for a all girls subject, like a. Um, oh, Sherelle, I'm so fucking happy for you. This is like, <laughs> yeah, obviously Sherelle didn't tell me this before this episode, but this is, it's all coming together, and I'm so proud of you. Yes. All coming together, Millhouse. So Millhouse, um... it's coming up, Millhouse. <laughs> well done I'm excited so I'm excited because I'm just I'm there's no taboo there's no like awkwardness and I think like what you said you know the old passionate lady it's hard to relate it's hard to sort of like take that sort of advice so I'm excited Mm. to be able to go in there and just give it how it is amazing oh we will talk about this more for sure I want to hear about your preparation leading up like what we just spoke about how you're going to prepare for something that you haven't done epic man very good I'm happy (laughs) um moving on yep let's do it all right oh here we go should I in brackets female train carbs directly I never do but wonder if this impacts squat ability hmm okay it's it's I just find it funny that you know female like because you and I are about um you know women should be doing what men are doing even though it's a bit differently but 100% if you want to develop your calves whether you're a female or not you train your calves nothing is off limits just because we're female you know what I mean yeah Yeah. we all have the same skeleton and muscular system and Mm. the same biomechanics and ranges of motion even so it's important to train all ranges, all ranges of motion should be trained um, unless you have restrictions, but then it still needs to be dealt with. Right. So I think like lower limb training is something I neglected for a long time. It's like, who cares what happens from the knee down? I look back at my, (laughs) like my, my photos um, from like, you know, your progress photos that you took a few years ago. And I'm like, where was my calves like none yeah you see those calves that like people stick on I needed them I need them yeah (laughs) I got a bit more now but it's taken them a long time to catch up like a long Mm. time and um like what we spoke about at the start like training not just like my calves but like my knees and really forcing knee over toe like despite what everyone used to think how that was bad like it's so important that we explore these ranges and train all muscles like yeah we don't have to for example hit our forearms isolated but if you think about it if you're not training your calves like isolating them when are they going to get that work yeah, and same with the forearms, to be honest. If you need help with grip strength, you you need to as well. So as you said, we should be taking all of our joints through every single range of motion. We should be training all muscles, particularly if something has been neglected. Now, let's just say you're a female and you've got pretty big biceps and you want to jump on stage. And we're not really in WBFF. It's more about shoulders. So for me personally, I don't always directly train arms because it takes away from my shoulders. So Mm. in that case, I wouldn't. I still get them trained in my compound work, but I don't sit there doing 16 sets of bicep curls for that reason. Yeah, um, but that's the in, point. You get it in a lot of your pulling, whereas with your calves, yeah. like you, you might get it on like, you know, lying leg curl a little bit. Like you might get it on some movements, but not to develop it. Yeah, not so much. I mean, so I think it is important to train calves, particularly for stability on the ankle. Um, mm. I, I train calves a lot more to walk in high heels for the stage. Mm. Um, but in general, 
if you have really tight calves, which a lot of people do because they're over um, compensating for weakness in the hamstring and glutes, then I would not train calves, okay? Mm. Because they're already really strong. So it's just a matter of looking at yourself, your goals, saying, where am I strong? Where am I weak? Do I want to continue developing the already strong muscles? Yes or no? Am I weak in that area? 100% train it. Mm, yeah yeah I agree I mean I, I program calves for almost all of my clients at some stages mm. like you know it should be sprinkled in here and there even if you don't want to develop it for you know aesthetic purposes just for functionality like mm. what we sort of spoke about it's not always about training for hypertrophy or building or even strength like there has to be other phases where you do consider these sorts of things um, and also like recognize how important it is like if I can increase my range of motion at the ankles um, the knee at the heel like what's this going to allow me to move as a whole and to be healthier in general like a more functional person that is functional training is just training everything yeah for sure and and to go to the end of the question does this impact squat ability so again a lack of range of motion will impact squat ability um really tight calves will affect range of motion and that will impact squat ability having strong mobile joints will allow you to squat better because for a front squat, for a high bar squat, knees over toes is required and low bar a little bit, not so much, but we do need strength in all parts of our legs and mobility in all joints. Yeah. And as well, like footwear, do you know what I mean? Like the way, I don't know, do you follow the foot collective on Instagram? Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Here's some great stuff um, about like even showing the way shoes are these days and, you know, there's no room for our toes and the way these bloody air maxes really distort the arch in our foot you know if you look at like evolutionary how our feet have changed like they should Mm. be as like like our hands almost but they're just they're not and even when I was younger like I used to run around the backyard and you know get my feet would bleed from prickles and stones Mm -hmm. and gravel and Mm. and now like I go home and I'm like walking out to my car with the gravel I'm like ow 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 I'm like (laughs) my foot doesn't get anything mum's like what are you doing and I'm like everything hurts like I feel like Winter and I can't tolerate it because there's no callus there anymore. That's so true, isn't it? Or, and yeah. heat, like when you're at the beach, you step on the sand, oh, and it's like death. Burning, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's just something about like even like I love the thought of grounding. Like there's just something so oh, yeah. about going home and actually just being like my feet on the earth. But even more so like for, for the muscles in our foot, like they're just so detrained these days. And that's why I love training with no shoes on. Yeah, training with no shoes on is the best because you can actually feel where you are on the ground. And I always add in where I stand on one leg um, Mm. and then pass like a kettlebell or a dumbbell around my body and and challenge balance. It's a bit of fun too, but I just had a random thought. Did you ever, remember in um, primary school where toe socks were being played? I couldn't. Did you get around them? Because I couldn't, man. The feeling of the material in between each toe. Yeah, but they were cool. They're like rainbow. Like, yeah, we should bring them back. Like, it was sort of uncomfortable. It was like you know when you get your toenails done, they put that thing in your between your toes. Yeah, yeah, it feels like. Um, but yeah, I have certain exercises where I like shoes, like some split squat variations. I like being able to push down with the the ball of my foot from the rear leg. Whereas then there's some exercises where I'm like, I need to take my shoes off. So sometimes on a leg press, I hate it when you've got a lot of weight on there and it'll push down and your toes will get like a bit. Yeah the top so 
I'm fussy. I'm like, no shoes on this, shoes on that. Um, oh, yeah. Elevation on that. And like, you know, you just play around. But your feet are so important. It's like wearing, sometimes wearing like big heavy shoes or socks or high heels. It's almost like showering in glad wrap. Like you can't feel it. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's really good. It was about time we came up with a new analogy from you. Thank you. Yeah. Wearing high heels is like showering in glad wrap. You can't feel anything. I love it. If you know, it. you know. If you know, if you know. If you know, you know. I um, wear heel elevated on my squats. Basically, my quad dominant days is heel elevated, not because I have poor range of motion. I just find I can hit my quads better yeah. because now yeah, I'm more glute dominant just because I've worked on it so much so cool mm. I want to hit my quads um, on the leg press on my squats I have heel elevated uh, shoes yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I elevate mostly even for front foot elevated stuff, anything that yep. I'm trying to get more knee traction um, or actually train the motion of the ankle joint, like I'll elevate heels. Um, and then anything that's like Bulgarian or anything that I'm more glute focused, I won't obviously because you don't want that sort of knee traction too much. But um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's just understanding that biomechanics and foot mechanics. I think the feet are so interesting. <laughs> Yeah, someone's got a bit of a foot fetish. You know me. You know me. Take your socks off. No No. judgment. Hey, that's after we um, stop recording. Yeah, righty. I will save that one. Um, Moving on to the last question. So tips for someone starting at university. Mm, when did we start 2011 well mine was 2011 I'm a bit older than you when did you start I think I was 13 or 14 I was a few years later uni was fun I had the best uni experience of my like I had the most fun in my entire life was at uni especially the first probably like the first two years were really fun um you know so that's my thing just have fun with it like peas get degrees don't put so much on yourself like just get by for the first couple of years like yes like study right hopefully you're doing something that you love anyway so you're going to that's going to become more natural to you than what probably it did in year 12 in high school um but like I lived on campus I had the true did you yeah I had the true lifestyle I lived with um like 12 boys and about four girls and a big dorm and they're all still really good friends of mine um and like (laughs) I met Luke at uni um yeah yeah, uni changed my life it really did your experience sounds a bit more like the American you know on those tv shows where they have the um what are they called how they have the different letters like theta yeah yeah. I lived on res yeah that would have been epic it was so much fun I met all my good girlfriends there like that I lived mm. with and, um I went to uni in Ballarat so it was sort of like oh, yeah. Victoria so it's still like our pub crawls right for example we'd get a thousand people on our pub crawl it was yeah. insane it's all changed now like it's not yeah. like that anymore so we got like the last of like freedom like and then they bring in like no glass outside and all it started oh, getting God. stricter on campus and I think that's the way it still is now but yeah I just I met so many people and I love that about uni is it makes and forces you to meet and connect with people that you wouldn't otherwise yes you know, when you're in high school and you sort of um, become friends with the people close to you, right, in your circle. And and then when I went to uni, like, I became friends and lived with so many people that I probably would have never met or approached or had interactions with. And mm. 
yeah, it, it, it just changed me. So have fun at uni. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Like be okay that you're not expected to go in and know exactly what you want to do or where you want to be or where you want to yeah. end up. You know, it's, it's just an awesome experience to really get so much more out of it than just a degree. Well said. Oh, they were the funnest years because I did three years of a health science degree and then five years of my osteopathy degree. So the first three years, you leave high school, you're free from whatever the hell that was, which was fun. It it is what it is. Okay, cool. You have a new identity. You can be you because you're put in a scenario again where you don't know people. Mm. And I noticed after uni, a lot of the girls like shaved their hair or people got tattoos or people came out like people started becoming themselves at, yeah. at uni and I just think that that is amazing yeah that's you what can it was yeah truly and and I'm sure obviously people are more accepting now in high schools and it's, I've not been in high school for 10 years so it's very different um but I loved that people took that little leap mm. to really explore themselves even deeper as more of an adult um so yeah my first three years I I had no idea what I wanted to do Mm. I rocked up on the day of my degree picked my subjects based on how good they sound I had no game plan really health science okay I like those two things I'm going to do that again met lots of amazing friends um the parties were insane because I went to Deakin here in Melbourne and um yeah all the all the parties and all that was so fun yes we still studied but you have to enjoy it as well um and then when I graduated it shot me in the foot because I didn't have a game plan for those three years I wasn't actually really qualified for anything I learned a lot, had a lot of fun. All right, now I need to be serious. I was starting osteopathy. I didn't really go to as many more parties because I got older. I was getting over it. I just rocked up, did what I needed to do in class, did my bodybuilding competitions, met a small group of friends who I'm still friends with today. um, And that was my experience there. But we haven't really given any tips really aside from the social side. But I think that's the most important. (laughs) Have fun with it. Be okay, as you mentioned, with not really knowing where you're going to end up and take things with a grain of salt yeah. because, mm. you know, you're going to learn a lot of amazing mm. skills that you will take into a career. However, there are always one more than one way to do things. Now mm. I'm an osteopath by trade, but I am not hands-on. Okay. Mm. So that goes against everything that I learned in that five years at uni. Okay. So take what you can, but then make it your own as well where you yeah. can. Yeah. Mm. Uni is there and higher education is there to teach you a way of thinking rather than doing. And that's what I think a lot of people get lost in with certain degrees. Like they're not giving you a blueprint, right? Like even every, I learned not much at uni. I learned the foundations, right? But like Mm. I learned the why, I learned the theory. I learned the, I did not learn the practical. Everything I learned was out of, out of the lecture hall. Yeah. Like nothing I learned, um, like it prepares you intellectually. Um, you become a problem solver. You can read, research, yep. do all these sorts of things. You can communicate. You've proven yourself in that way that you have that um, higher education. Um, but then the real work's done in the real world. And that's why like mm. I look back and I'm like, you know, like I, I got through my first few years, but God, it changed me so much as a person by having fun, letting my hair down and yep. doing lots of things obviously my later years like in my third year and then when I went back and did postgrad like it wasn't I wasn't doing that that's when I was moving health and fitness as well and sort of getting more involved in that um so my interests changed but the friendships are still there and I think it's so important to be able to um 
not get too consumed. It's just like bodybuilding. Like you need to have other things and everything outside of it, not just let the actual sport um, or the end result, let it consume and take who you are. Yeah, and people skills is so important in every single occupation. So even if you're the smartest GP or anything in the world, if someone comes into your office and you're so awkward and then they feel uncomfortable, that's not serving you as well. So learn how to interact with people that you normally wouldn't um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a time. I would not go back though. Don't be one of those people who spent 40 years at uni and just build up a hex debt. Just get it done. Go do the learning out of uni as well. Spend your time with your head in the books, but recognize so the I spent eight years at uni in that time you learn when you need to be there and when you don't so for all my lectures that I could do online I would not drive an hour to go I would I formulated my own learning style um, where I could fit in other activities because you'd see people who would rock up to the lectures and they're on Facebook the whole time anyway Mm. there's no point of them driving in sitting down wasting time just don't waste your time Mm. do your learning in a time where you will actually absorb it If there's a lecture that where the lecturer just reads off the notes, don't bother going to the lecture, just read the notes. Like there's so many little shortcuts that you can take on as well. Yeah. yeah, Don't waste your time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably all changed now. I'd I'd hate to know what's happening in the university after this or the last year. Um, But hopefully that's helped you, Steph. And, um, you know, (laughs) it's a bit of a a a funny one to to end on. Enjoy yourself, have a few drinks, um, but take things seriously and don't waste your time. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but in saying that um we'll wrap this one up so thanks everyone for listening um and thank you for sliding into the level up podcast dms um danny i listened and i was supposed to tell you sorry i listened to an amazing um message from um, one of the girls who went through to us but you know how you can't replay the photos the recording oh yeah Thank you. Yeah, she was thanking us for all the um, podcast and how much it's changed sort of her life. And I was just really confident. Oh. I was listening to it. I was like, oh, I can't show daddy. No. Um, but yeah, we do appreciate all the reviews that you leave us on the podcast app and, you know, all the messages and the reshares and all these sorts of things. They do not go unnoticed at all. So um, yeah. continue on with those. And just like always, if you did enjoy um, this episode today, please do take a screenshot, tag myself, tag Danielle, and of course, the Level Up podcast. Thanks, everyone.